Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome into All Ball. I'm Doug Gottlieb. I'm so glad you downloaded this podcast. Um, We try and make it different than other podcasts. There's great ones that cover basketball. Sometimes I have an NBA guest. Sometimes we have a college basketball guest. Sometimes we provide insightful analysis. And I, I think we'll leave that really to next week. You know, I'll say this about the rumors about Anthony Davis and the Lakers is um, this is what you need to know about trade rumors and trade requests. Nothing happens by accident, right? Nothing happens by accident. What's that mean? Something else is at play in order to get that conversation started, whether it's the Celtics reaching out to the Pelicans and making overtures towards Anthony Davis, or maybe the Chicago Bulls, of course, want to bring Anthony Davis home, or maybe maybe it's some frustration that the Pelicans are unwilling to accept some sort of low ball offer or lower ball offer from the Lakers, you know, a Contavious Caldwell Pope and a Brandon Ingram, and they don't want to include anybody else. Whatever it is, my guess in the NBA with a name like Anthony Davis suddenly before the trade deadline and when he's not a free agent popping up as he wants to play for the Lakers, Lakers need to make it happen. These things don't happen by accident. Somebody leaked the story and leaked it with a purpose. And my guess would be that there have been overtures made by a couple of other teams, probably the Celtics, maybe the Lakers, and there's some energy there, and that's why the story gets out. 
In college basketball, we're about to hit Christmas break time. And while we've seen Duke take on Texas Tech and we've seen Gonzaga lose to North Carolina, but beat Duke and lose to, to, to Tennessee as well, I think we're getting a pretty good uh, gathering of the top 10 or 12 teams. And we had Eric Musselman on last week. Muss, of course, an amazing story. If you haven't downloaded that pod, feel free to do so. It's great. You know, his dad was a longtime college coach who became a pro coach in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And <clears throat> Muss himself started in pro basketball, fresh out of playing at USD University of San Diego. I want to go the opposite route this week. Nate Oates is the head coach at Buffalo. They just beat Syracuse. And on Saturday, and, you know, listen, you may have downloaded this pod on Friday morning and you didn't get a chance to listen to it till Saturday or Saturday afternoon or when you're driving with family over the weekend. So I, I don't know how they'll play against Marquette uh, as he returns to his home state and nearly his hometown. He's from Watertown, Wisconsin. But Nate Oates is the opposite. Dad wasn't a coach, you know, doesn't have family in the coaching. And he, in, with the opposite of, of Eric Musselman, he didn't start in the NBA. He started in Division Three basketball. Then went to high school basketball, where usually guys, it's hard to get out unless you ride coattails, which he kind of did. And the coattails is, it, it sounds like a negative, but you have players, you produce a bunch of players, and somebody wants to get players from your area and respects you as a coach, they bring you on the college game. That's, that's what happened. He'll, he'll tell his story. But Nate Oates is the head coach at Buffalo. They're a tremendous story. They're ranked 14th in the country right now. And last year, of course, they upset Arizona in the NCAA tournament. You're not going to believe going to believe the stories that he has to share um, over the next hour or so. It's a long pod, but as many of you are driving around and you love ball, you want to download this podcast and you love ball. You're going to love the stories of Division Three basketball, state of Wisconsin basketball, going to high school basketball in the state of Michigan, working for Bobby Hurley, how he, how he came to meet the Hurleys as a high school coach in Michigan. And what it's been like to take over. And in the last five years, five and a half years, go from being a high school coach at Romulus High School in Detroit, Michigan, to being a wildly successful Division One head coach where they go on the road and beat Syracuse at Syracuse. And if you watch the game, they were the better team. Even Jim Beheim said as much after the game. Uh, I should point this out. Make sure you, you know, at least try and listen to my radio show. We have a pod as well, if you like that sort of thing. It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. It's on Fox Sports Radio. You can download the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to it on Sirius, uh, Sirius 217, XM 203, or any of your Fox Sports Radio affiliates. You can also download the pod where we have full show and we have individual interviews. And if you've ever listened to my show, we don't actually talk that much about college basketball. We'll talk NBA, a lot of NFL, getting ready for the weekend. So it's the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, 3 to 6 Eastern Time, 12 to 3 Pacific, every day, Monday through Friday. And, of course, this All Ball podcast uh, is a great one. I thank my good friend, Colin Cowherd, for allowing us to, to be a part of the Herd Podcast Network. Before my interview with Buffalo head coach Nate Oates, let me take a second to talk to you about safe driving. Everyone knows the risks of drunk driving. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. But that still doesn't stop everyone. You could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly lose your job. We all know the consequences of drunk driving. But one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Plan ahead, don't take chances, and don't drive drunk. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. So without further ado, let's talk to one of the most successful high school coaches in Michigan 
recent, Michigan's recent history. Plus, he's become an incredibly successful Division I head coach over the last three years at Buffalo. Here's my good friend, head coach of the Buffalo Bulls, Nate Oates. Let's welcome in. He's the head coach of the 14th-ranked team in the country. 14 with a bullet. That's because they went in. They beat uh, Western New York, I guess, rival um, Syracuse as uh, they go and collect a check and collect a win, which is, uh, for, for those of us, and obviously people listening to the All Ball podcast, no hoop, like that's arguably the hardest thing to do in the sport is to win a guarantee game and then do it in the dome against Syracuse. Uh, that's exactly what, what Buffalo did. Nate, Nate Oates is our guest. Um, from five years ago, when you joined Bobby Hurley's staff at Buffalo to going in and when you beat Syracuse, the thing that, that I think jumps out to people who, and I think the, the NCAA tournament last year, obviously last year, so people knew you were good. But that five years, like to walk on that court and to be coaching in front of, you know, the dome of 30,000 people, what's that experience? What, what's, did you have any moment where you're like, holy crap, this thing has happened really fast. Yeah. You know what? I didn't really, but I, it, I, I you know, I get texts from former teachers at Romulus that I'm still cool with and administrators. And they kind of think of it. it's true. It, I just added up. I think June 10th was my first official start day in uh working for the university of Buffalo. So it's been like just over five years and six months till, you know, I was getting a paycheck back at Romulus, you know, five and a half years ago. So it is a little crazy. I think, you know, my first year as head coach, we went into Duke and played at Cameron, went into Hilton, played at Iowa state. So we, we've, we've been in some uh, places already Uh, at this point. You know, once the ball goes out, it is kind of cool that we go into the dome. I mean, it's kind of got a little bit of mystique about it. I used to be a Syracuse fan when I was growing up. Actually, I, that was back in. I think kind of, I kind of, kind of everybody, kind of everybody was right. Like I grew up in Southern California, and we had my dad sent some guys out to play. You know, Mike Hopkins played for my dad in AU. So did Scott McCorkle, and and Big East basketball was Wasn't, the only thing on on Monday, right? So you'd watch and you yeah, watch Syracuse in the dome. Big East Monday, you know, yeah, yeah like we're yeah. about the same age. I I I saved my paper on money, bought myself a TV because everybody else in the house didn't want to uh, watch basketball every single night of the week. So I had my own TV, and I yeah I was all fired up for ACC Big East Monday and. Wasn't Stevie Thompson was from uh, California, wasn't he? Yeah, Crenshaw High School. Sure. Yeah. They 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 yeah, had a good little. They, yeah, they had it, it was Stevie was I think the first, uh, and then you know they had McCorkle. Uh, McCorkle followed Hopkins. They were both modern day guys. Leron Ellis actually transferred there from from Kentucky. Uh, so yeah, they've they've always they always you know, and then you know fast forward to Jason Hart and some others. Uh, but they've always had some California guys. And I think honestly it was the powerful, the power of big East, big Monday. Um, and that, you know, we, we, we never watched West coast teams play. We just didn't. You'd watch East coast teams play and, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin, uh, ah, well, he just got fired at, at UConn. Um, you know, he's a, oh, he's Ollie, Kevin Ollie. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Ollie. He's a, because California kids, we'd watch and, and they cared, right? That's the other thing is they, they always, they always cared. Let, let, let me, let me ask you about growing up. Okay. Because like, look, I want to talk about your team this year, some, but to me, it's, yeah, we have, I have a lot of coaches and friends in basketball and people's stories and, uh, and, and their makeup and, and philosophies they have, I think are, are as or more interesting than your actual team. Not that your team stinks. It's really good. 
Um, so Watertown, Wisconsin, right? That's that's your hometown. Yeah, that's my hometown. Yep. Okay, so I was born in Milwaukee. My dad was head coach at UWM. Uh, about when you were about when you were I didn't, uh, you, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's so he that, that's crazy. When when was your dad the head coach at uh, UWM? Seventy five through eighty one. Yeah, I was born in seventy four. So yeah, yeah, so I was right, right then when I was born. So when when were you born? Yeah, and you were born right in that time. Seventy. I was. I'm a seventy uh, January seventy six baby. So. Um, yeah, so, uh, Columbia has- hospital and I think it's the Klatchy center or whatever the the, the place on campus. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The Cl- I used to he, go to games at the Klatchy center. Yeah. So he actually opened that building and then in 81 title nine passed and they went D three until Bo Ryan came back when they went back to D one. Um, and so he left in 81, but, uh, yeah, he had a, he had one. I think I think he had one twenty win season or whatever. I don't know. Playing as an independent, playing everybody. So he used to share war stories. So Watertown is like, it, help me out. I think it's what it's south. Right, and it's right between south Madison and Milwaukee. Like no, okay. straight straight west of Milwaukee. Like if you went on ninety four to Madison, it's right dead dead in between. It's right right off the interstate. And so it's like forty five minutes your, to Madison, forty five to Milwaukee. You mentioned how you had a, a TV in your room. My brother had one in his room. That's where I would go watch my hoop. Uh, was your dad, your dad, your mom, were they into, into ball, or they just think you're crazy? No, you not really. Sport? My dad, uh, neither one of them played. My dad's got his Ph.D. in theology. He got his Ph.D. down at Trinity in Deerfield. So he, he's a good college professor and real smart, almost genius-like, but not into basketball at all. You know, when I played, I played in high school, they, they – I don't think they missed any games, so they really supportive of me. My mom used to watch basketball with me, but no, neither one were really into it. I just, I don't know. I kind of fell in the love. I fell in love with it. I, I, I was decent at it in fifth grade. You know, I played Division three, which I wasn't a Division one player, but I loved playing. Some of my best friends are still my college college teammates, and I, I just fell in love with basketball. And about about when I was, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that's when Syracuse is starting to get rolling with. Sherman Douglas throwing lobs to Stevie oh, Thompson yeah. and Derek Coleman. To, to Ronnie, Ronnie Cycli, right? The, all those alley oops. Yeah, he, he had the he, yeah. He threw the best. He threw the best alley oops. I mean, who didn't? I, and was that what? What final four was that? Eighty seven was that? Eight, yeah, eighty seven was in the dome. That's when right? Indiana. Had, yeah. Yeah. Yep, and uh, smart. Yeah, and and you and yeah, OB was I, in that as well. Yeah, that was when I was in sixth grade because I uh, I graduated I, uh, from eighth grade in eighty nine. So. That's like exactly when I was getting, really getting into basketball. So it was kind of crazy, and then I got to go back and coach in the dome, which is kind of cool. And I mean, they they had a, a stat on, I, you know, I go back and break the film down. It's the TV copy. This that was Bayheim's, this Bayheim's forty third year as the head coach. Like I'm forty four years old. It was that, that was a little crazy to me. You you want you want to know something crazier? This this one's a weird one. Okay, so Bayheim. Uh, Bayheim and Bernie Fine went to school with my mom and uh, my mom dated another basketball player for a while. And so they kind of all ran in the, in kind of the same pack uh, at, at Syracuse. My dad actually went to Syracuse for a year. He was, he was six years older than my mom went to Syracuse uh, for a year. His story was he was a walk on on the, on the men's team and on the freshman team, he took a charge on a scholarship player and got kicked off the team because they were told under no uncertain circumstances, where they to take a charge in a in a scrimmager in practice? Because <laughs> they might and hurt. So he, he so he he. I don't think the kid got hurt. I think it was it was a rule, and he got kicked off the team. 
And so he went, he transferred, went to Ohio State where he's a walk on when uh, Havlicek and, uh, and those guys went to, you know, were, were back when Bob Knight was there. But anyway, the, like Jim Beheim's old enough. He's coached as long as you and I have been alive. And yet he went to school with my mom at, at Syracuse. And that's anyway, crazy. just, it's, yeah. yeah okay. Crazy. So, so know. then you went to, who'd you play for at Maranatha? So Maranatha, for people oh, who yeah. don't know, it, it's a, a back yeah. to school. It's in Watertown. Like a thousand students or a little bit less, right? Yeah, a little bit less. So yeah, it was a small school. The guy, coach's name was Jerry Terrell. He's since passed. But he, the thing, the thing was like, you know, my dad's a professor there, and they had a uh, Maranatha Academy, like a prep school associated with the college. So that's where I went to my high school years, like ninth through twelfth. So the high school and the college were kind of intermixed. You know, you say shared some of the same buildings. We shared the same gym. So I, I he was, he kind of helped developed my love for the game like i used to go on road trips like i literally would jump in the van you know division three drive two 15 passenger vans to the to the away games like he used to let me jump on the vans and go to road trips whether i'm sure it was a violation but back then i don't think nobody no, there's no violation no there's no violations in d3 are there yeah exactly so I, I when i was in high school i was like jumping in the vans and going with the college and i, I just like loved being in it and you know obviously it the division one level, there's a lot more scouting and all that. But I, I like back, back then I just loved being around it and listening to the coach talk and coach speak. And then he, so then I played four years and then coach Terrell took me on as an assistant immediately after I was done playing, you know, I wasn't going to go play for money anywhere. So I was an assistant at Maranatha for three years. And then now is, now is Maranatha. I, I, I don't want to, inter- I don't want to interrupt. Okay. Is Maranatha no, so no, division three basketball in Wisconsin is, really really big like i have a friend who gabe frank who played at stevens point um and the ryan's of good. course he was really good. uh yeah he could really shoot he couldn't move at all but he could no, really listen, shoot we we were not at that level that so you're, you're right the division three basketball in wisconsin that stevens point platteville whitewater green bay well green bay's division one but like right. the, the division three up dick bennett goes from stevens point to green bay bo ryan goes from Platteville to Milwaukee to Madison and does really well. Like the coaching was big. So that's what I actually kind of graduated in coaching. I went from Maranatha to Whitewater, which was the closest UW system school. All those division three schools were big schools and really good. So then I coached for two years at Whitewater under a guy named Dave Vandermuen. Let me come on as a coach. And then Pat Miller, who's the coach there now, me and Pat were assistants. And then Dave retires after my first year and Pat takes over and I was Pat's assistant for a year before I moved to Detroit and became a high school coach. Okay. So, so, uh, so take me back to that. And, and by the way, you met your wife in college, right? That's my, yeah, I'm she remembering. came from Colorado. So she's from uh, like Fort Collins, Colorado. She was a volleyball player. So we were you know, in the gym all the time together. So she's, she wasn't really into basketball, but I wasn't really into volleyball. Now I, I got more into volleyball. My daughter plays volleyball. And my wife's all into college basketball now and follows it. So you kind of pick up on, <laughs> on your, on your, uh, on their interests. So, so no, that's where I met her. And then we got, we actually got, I got married like right away after college. I got married at 23. I got matter of fact, so today's my anniversary. I, I was. Uh, I got married. Hap, hold, on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Let's let's make. Let's just. This is going to drop tomorrow, so December twentieth. Uh, happy anniversary! Yeah. That's amazing. How many years? 
21 this year. Crazy. Wow. Well, and I so, want to get to yeah, obviously your guys. I, I want to get to your guys' story in a second. So, which which you know I've I've gotten a chance to talk about in the past, but not not in thorough detail as we will hear. Okay, so you're at Wisconsin Whitewater. You're coaching Division three. You're an assistant. Uh, you've been a college coach for you know half a decade now. And how did you? How did the Romulus thing happen? Yeah, so there was a guy named Ed Horn. He was a African-American kid that, that came from Detroit out to Maranatha. He was a college teammate of mine. I actually coached him one year. He was a year younger than me, so he was a teammate. And then when I became a coach, he was still playing. We, we got to be really close. Like Ed, Ed and we were really good friends. So And he, he actually married a girl that grew up in Watertown, ironically enough, right next door to me. And then she moved away to Milwaukee but came back to Maranatha. And he ends up marrying this girl, Kelly. Kelly Waltz is her name. So me and Crystal, Ed and Kelly, we actually lived like a block away from each other. I, I was married, and they, they he actually got married to her, and I was like actually a married student. So we, he moves back to Detroit and gets a teaching job at Romulus, like right outside Detroit. So me and him stayed in touch. Me and Crystal actually went and visited them. We, um, you know, we, we were cool. So we all of a sudden he sends me an article one day about the Romulus coach getting fired. And it was kind of a crazy thing. It was basically like the, the school board had fired this coach and the article was kind of like he'd got screwed, you know? So then Ed mm-hmm. calls me and says, what did you think about the article? I'm like, yeah, it sounds like the guy got screwed. Uh, too bad. You know, I, I wasn't thinking, anything. he goes, well, what do you think? You should go for the job. I, I, at that time, I was, I never was going to be a high school coach. I wanted to be a college basketball coach. So I was going to climb from D3 to D2 to D1. But that's, you know, that's really hard to do. But, you know, you're young and naive and think it's going to happen. So I, I, I'm like, no, I'm not going to high school. Like, I'm not, I'm not interested. So he kind of badgered me about it over the course of a couple of weeks. And finally, I was like, all right, Ed. So I, I sent him a uh, PowerPoint, kind of like my resume, like I'd kind of prepped, prepared. And matter of fact, it was, ironically enough, I'm in Milwaukee, we play Marquette. But I, uh, it was Pat Baldwin. Me and Pat Baldwin, the coach at Milwaukee now, had gotten to be really close. And he, we shared some stuff. And Pat had sent me a, a PowerPoint, kind of like as a job prep. And so I'd gone through and switched a bunch of stuff and made it mine, you know, my background. I sent it to Ed. Ed was huge, and he actually ended up becoming the technology director for Romulus. Like, he was really sharp. So he made my PowerPoint look twice as good as it actually was and sent it on to the principal. And all of a sudden, I got a call from the human resources director, Romulus. Hey, we're having interviews uh, next week. I need you to come out if you could on such and such a day. I think it was a Thursday. I think maybe they'd call me Friday. Like, basically, they, they slid me in as an as an extra as a favor to add and then i was like all right you know screw it i'll I'll go through the interview it's good to go through an interview process i was i had zero intention of taking the job though so i go out there and and there was from what i heard there was like about 100 people applied for this job they had a kid ryan coleman that was already committed to michigan he was only a sophomore so he would add two years left and there was there had been four nba players come out of Romulus: terry mills john long grant long so there was some tradition it was a good job and all these people applied, and they, they interviewed eight people. And when I went, I, like, I'm kind of competitive, like, probably more than kind of really competitive. So I, I told that I'm going to make them offer me the job. Like, I'm not losing this interview. 
Right. Like they're going right. to like, I, like you're not even sure if you want to be a high school coach, but no, you no, are I sure was, that if I, you, I, but, they but, no, were going to make me, their me, second choice. In my opinion, I was going to make them offer me the job and turn the job down. Correct. That, that's what of, I mean. But you, like, like last thing you want to do is go and apply for a job that you don't really want, but you're overqualified for and not get it and not get offered. Yeah, it. exactly. So, so I go in and I, you know, I made them offer me the job. They offered me the job. So then Ed, Ed, Ed's like the ultimate salesman. He's a great guy. He, uh, he actually had introduced me to the team and he had done all this. And I actually liked all the kids, you know, like they, I kind of had an affinity towards some inner city kids and they in my 11 years at Romulus, I didn't coach, I coached all minority kids. I never coached any, you know, Caucasian kids. So I'd kind of like, I liked them. We, we hung out for a little bit. I, they had me teach a math lesson on that Friday. Cause I think they needed to know they wanted a teacher in the building. So they needed to make sure I could actually teach. So I, that was no problem. I kind of hit that out of the park. They offered me the job, and it's making more, like about five thousand dollars more than I was making. I think I was making like thirty-six or thirty-seven. I was actually teaching at the public school in Watertown at the time and coaching at Whitewater. And mm-hmm. I think they offered me. I think I went from thirty-seven thousand to forty-two thousand. And I called my wife and I said, "You know what? They offered me the job. I think I'm going to take it." And she, she, she started crying. Like she had heard horror stories about Detroit. As a matter of fact. When we went to visit Ed and Kelly, his car had gotten stolen. Like she just, you know, Detroit's got a, a bad rap. No, yeah, I mean, listen, listen. I mean, I, I tell people this story all the time. I, I, I'm, that I was in Israel playing. I left the team in Israel, and I came to play for a team in the ABA, Phoenix. And our, I actually met the team in Detroit. And we were staying in downtown Detroit. We were playing against the Detroit Dogs. Speaking of Syracuse, Todd Bergen was on the Detroit Dogs. I'll never forget this. I got $20 a day per diem. And uh, um, when I get there, a, a guy named Maztrack, who's uh, an assistant with the Wizards now, he was like, yo, you got to go and get your food on your own. There's a McDonald's like a couple blocks from here. So I remember broad daylight, walked down the street to get McDonald's with my $20 a day per diem. I felt less safe in downtown Detroit than I ever did in Israel. Anyway, so she's. Oh, it looks. No, it looks like it looks like Baghdad in parts of Detroit. I mean, it's. So so she's like, but she she's great. I mean, I like I wouldn't be where I'm at without Crystal. So she. Of course. She's a trooper, and she. So we moved to Detroit. So we had no family, like none. Like my first Thanksgiving, and and here's the crazy thing. So Ed Ed's the only guy I know in Detroit. Me and Ed are tight. So I get there, literally. I think we we buy a house and move in in like July, like like a, a month after I get there. Ed Ed tells me, uh, I feel like the Lord's led me in a different direction. I I, I took a youth pastor job back in Milwaukee because his wife's from Milwaukee. So I'm like, what? So he he convinces me to go to Romulus, and then he leaves on me, and then he didn't like it. He ended up coming back to Romulus, and he was the technology director for the district when he got back. And it, it, kind of a sad story. He ends up getting a. Uh, he ends up getting cancer, and he, he passed away. Um, shoot, maybe four or five years after after I'd moved to Michigan, it was. I mean, so I, I still. As a matter of fact, I was texting with his son. His son Aiden just moved out to California, so but I've stayed in touch with Kelly and and his son and his uh, daughter. And that, that was uh, we could talk for a couple hours about that whole whole ordeal. But so I'm, I end up spending eleven years in Romulus, and all three of my daughters were born there. And we kind of almost like a second home. Now Buffalo, I've been now I'm going on year six in Buffalo, and we feel like Buffalo's home now. But it's basically been Wisconsin, eleven years in Detroit. Now in Buffalo, I haven't had to 
move all over the country like a bunch of these college coaches. I don't really want to do that with a family and stuff. So I've been fortunate. And I wouldn't trade how I got to where I'm at for anything because I couldn't play Division One. I wasn't that good. But I, but I love the fact that I played. Like I wouldn't trade those Division Three years for anything. And I think coaching high school has given me a background that a lot of these guys in Division One don't have. That I feel like makes me a little bit different and a little bit better in some regards on some of the oh, stuff. Okay, so let's let, let's get to that. What what is it about? coaching high school. That's it's an honest like look, I have I have my own kind of theories and philosophies and I'm I'm obviously I want to have you on because of it. Um I do think and I know there are guys that have been successful who haven't played. You know that they, they they didn't play. Um I played for one coach in my life that didn't play and that was the coach that was John McLeod and it was just it was a very different experience from all the guys who played and the and you can tell which guys really had a cerebral feel to uh, to, to having, having played not, you know, not every guy that plays really sees the game, if you will. But I also think right. that coaching it, I, you know, I, this is in between my year when I was at Notre Dame and I had to leave and I went to junior college, I helped out both at the junior college. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't, I just practiced with the team. So I was like an assistant coach there. And then I was like an assistant coach with my old high school and my high school coach got thrown out of a game. So I actually coached the second half and overtime of a loss. And, um, I mean, it's an unbelievable experience and I've coached AAU basketball. So I do, I understand, I have my own beliefs as to what you gain from coaching at different levels. Uh, but, but give me, give me your, tell me why you think high school basketball has given you a little bit different perspective than guys that have never coached that level. Well, yeah, for multiple reasons. One of them is that I, I lived in the, I didn't live in Detroit, but I lived in Metro Detroit for 11 years. Like I was in those housing projects with the kids. I went and did home visits. I had to go pick kids up. I, I had to take kids in to live with me when I kid, you know, shoot a kid live with me for two years. Is uh, he had a gun pulled on him. He had a bad living situation. His mother was incarcerated. His dad had been shot and killed. And so like I, when I finally picked him up after his girlfriend, let me know what was going on. I had to go pick his stuff up from four different houses that he'd stayed at over the course of the last week. Like, like you, you if you haven't been in those situations, like you can't relate to those kids as well as somebody that's been in, situations like that so for 11 years I lived it so I think it I think a it helps with recruiting b it helps with knowing the kids that I'm coaching now and where they're from as opposed to somebody who's lived in suburban America that's never dealt with any of the stuff that I dealt with for 11 years at Rhymeless so that that's one of the things I think but then it as far as strictly x and o's go like in high school I can I can experiment with all kinds of different things without having the media second guess my every decision like for instance i we used to me and my assistant josh baker who was one of my college teammates with ed me and ed convinced josh to move out from connecticut and he's still living in detroit married a girl from there they got five kids and he's coach he's won state championships at southfield christian now but he he was with me for nine years we used to go to watch either a college training camp or or like an nba training camp i call it college training camp like college preseason or an nba training camp every year so we, we went out to Pepperdine when Vance Wahlberg took over. I'd gotten to know Vance kind of through his relationship with Cal Perry, and he had been really friendly to us. So me and Josh went out for five days, stayed in L.A., went to Pe- went up there to Pepperdine. So we, we came back and instituted the whole deal, the dribble drive, his pressing, all kind of I, I liked the way it was. We had athletes that rhymed us. Well, I think 16 games into that year, 
we were eight and eight and it was by far the worst record we'd ever had. And, and I, but, but I scrapped the entire pressing stuff. Like I'll, I, I never pressed again. Like it's just, I, I opened the floor up to, you know, we're playing against division one guards. Newpy Trader went to Ohio state. Maurice Jones went to USC. Like I got all these guys that are shredding through the press. Like it was in hindsight, it was really stupid, but I got, I got to experiment with it for like 16 games. Right. So like now I know, okay, well, we used to press. I think it helped my kids play hard, and we and it helped me get the tempo up and down. But I think I think me and Josh figured out after we quit pressing, I think we won like something like crazy, like 92 or 93% of our games over like the next five or six years. But it, it, it got us to get our offensive tempo off. But then we, we went back to just shrinking the floor against all them athletes out of Detroit and just making them stay outside the lane and shoot jumpers. But in high school, you can experience – like, if you do that in college and you're expected to win, or, like, you can't really experiment like that. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of how hard it is, okay? So uh, Mike Boynton's a coach in the Mater, and I know that this week he's put in his own offense, that he's, he's changed a lot more of it. He, he's putting in a, more of a dribble drive, and, you know, he's been running kind of what Brad ran when Brad was at Oklahoma State. It just doesn't fit – he doesn't believe it fits his personnel – and, I mean, look at how much they've struggled here in the non-conference trying to figure out what they want to do offensively. And, you know, uh, thankful for him, he got a contract extension after his first year and they had those, all those upsets last season. But it's, it's really, really hard to do, whereas in high school basketball, like you said, you can, like, uh, uh, my, my, here's, a, here's one. My brother was at, was at San Diego State. And he, uh, he was in, you know, he watched Wisconsin play defensively. And San Diego State has always... Because they're so athletic, they always they just cut off half the floor, right? They they were they they post they would yeah, always post double. When you got Kawhi Leonard, right? But even even yeah. before they had Kawhi Leonard, they they recruited a very high level of athlete as transfers, and so that yeah, yeah, you have all that length, you shut off half the floor. So my brother was convinced that hey, you know what, we should play pack line because we have so much length here that that if if we're making teams shoot over a long arm. And keeping him out of the lane, we already concentrate on rebound. Anyway, Steve Fisher gave him the the green light to you know what you go study it. You pay it, you know you go to clinics, figure out exactly how to you institute it. And they had kind of the same thing at San Diego State. One year they ran pack line for like I don't know ten games, and they came in one day and like this ain't working. Let's get back to who we are. But yeah, it's the, the high school thing. Um, so 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 eleven years there. How many state championships? Just one. Like, I went to five Final Fours, and, and, like, there's so many times when I've, like, we got upset or whatever. Like, I won it my last year. It was, it was like, I stayed. And I, had I, actually, I actually, actually knew that. That was actually a setup question, just so you know. We, we... Oh, yeah. No, but seriously, though, it was, like, that's the thing, too. Like, people don't get, like, I've had a lot of success here in my first four years at Buffalo. Like, I, I, had, I had teams that were more talented than the teams that beat us in high school some years. Like, it, it, like it happens. Like, you, you shoot. I'll give you a for instance. I had a kid, Jared Smith. I had two kids committed to the University of Michigan my, my second year at Rhymos. Jared Smith took over for me at Rhymos. He played at Michigan. We're up four on Be- Belleville's our big rival. Now, now, they had, like, really good talent, too, but it was a really high-level game. We're up four with 41 seconds to go into district championship. Jared goes 0 for 4 at the free throw line. This is a kid going to Michigan. He goes over four at the free throw line. Last forty-one seconds, we lose the game. Well, we got upset. You, you, you got to learn to lose a little bit too. And 
you know, I shoot, I remember I was crying after the game. I'm, I'm like a grown man coaching the team. Like, I went home and, like, I cried. Like, I was, like, that into, into it, couldn't believe, like, we got upset. Like, but it happened. So, it, it, I went to five Final Fours. I think before before I got to Romulus, they had won, won a state championship. Al Wilkerson was the coach. He actually just came out and saw me in Buffalo. I got a lot of friends back there that I made, but they had Terry Mills. So he was the national player of the year, him and J.R. Reed in 86. But they had not, I forget what the, I think that was the only time they had even won the regional though. So we, we were winning at a pretty high rate, but I only won one state championship. Michigan basketball is really good though. I mean, there's Flint, Saginaw, Detroit, been the Harbor, Kalamazoo, the West Side Grand Rapids as players. I mean, it's good, but we, we got upset a few times. Um, okay, so if if my memory serves me, it was your relationship that you had with the Hurleys because of their recruitment of E.C. Matthews, wasn't it? Isn't that how, yep. isn't, isn't that how yeah, this exactly kind of all right. came to be? All right, so exactly the first right. time, who did you meet first, Danny or Bobby? Uh, kind of crazy. So I told you, we, me and Josh always went to like a, college or an NBA deal in the fall so when when Danny gets the job at Wagner from uh, St. Benedict's I call we said hey let's go out and like let's see if we can go watch Danny's practice he just went left high school you know we could probably relate to what he's doing and let's see if we can do it when his dad's going to be there I'm sure his dad will be there to watch help whatever so I call the Wagner basketball offices and Bobby Hurley answers the phone like you know it's low budget no secretary so I, I like literally Bobby Hurley answers the phone when I called the Wagner office. I couldn't believe it. You know, you kind of grow up watching these guys play. And so I, I explained to Bobby what I want to do. And I want to get out there on a weekend when your dad's going to be there. Cause I'd like to sit down with him for a couple hours if possible, if you guys could help me arrange this. And, and, and by the way, we've got some players here too, you know, and you list off all the guys that you've got. <laughs> That they maybe we'll try to help you with recruitment or whatever. That always gets you in the foot in the door with the college coaches where when you're a high school coach. So we, me and Bobby traded cell phone numbers. We text back and forth over the course of a few weeks. We we never figured out when his dad was going to be there when we could be there. So we didn't do it. We went somewhere else that year. So two years later, he, they get the job at Rhode Island. Preston Murphy had been trying to re- recruit EC under the previous staff, but they, they were losing, you know, it'd been rumored that he might get fired. So EC wasn't going to go there. Well, Danny gets the job. Now all of a sudden we kind of, me and EC sit down and talk it over again. Like, yeah, we should probably look at Rhode Island now. Like Danny's big in player development. I was huge in player development at Romulus. That was kind of our number one thing as we got in the gym all the time, develop players. EC was a big gym rat. So we kind of let Rhode Island back into the picture to recruit him. Danny does an unbelievable job recruiting them. Him and Bobby and Preston fly out. Like, I got to know Danny really well just because he, as the head coach, took on. And then me and him related really well because I was a high school coach for – that was year 11 for me. He had been, at I think, nine years at St. Benedict. So, we hit it off. So, they go through the year. But one of their selling points was EC wanted to be a point guard. Come, come learn how to be a point guard under – one of the best point guards in college basketball history. He's all-time assist leader, you know, Bobby Hurley. So at the end of that year, you know, EC commits to them in the fall, signs with them in the fall. Bobby gets the job at Buffalo. So I call EC down, you know, I, when I when I get the news out of whatever class, I'm like, here here's the deal, EC. Like, Bobby's not there anymore. 
I still think you should go there. He goes, yeah, I'm 100% in. Me and Danny are cool. I've got a great relationship with Danny. I said, all right, cool. So I fired a text off to Danny, and, and basically I said this. I said, congrats on Bobby getting the job. Two head coaches and two uh, assistants of yours are now head coaches in Division One after three years out of high school. That's, you know, super impressive. Doing an unbelievable job. Great job. Talk to EC. He's 100% all in. No worries here. You know, call me whenever. That's basically the text because it is one assistant that stayed at Wagner. So he calls me back that night and basically was like, listen, Nate, all these people are hitting me up for jobs that you wouldn't believe it. Like, I'm really happy for Bobby, but I'm also really kind of disappointed. I, this was a great three years spending time with Bobby. And if you know Danny at all, he's real, like, the her, you know, I mean, you know Danny. So they're real negative and talk. He goes, Nate, it's like the body's still warm, and these people are texting me asking for jobs. Like, these people have no feeling. Like, anybody that texts me asking me for a job today, they have no chance. I'm not hiring any of them. And then he kind of says to me, he's like, Nate, listen, I can't hire another Michigan guy. I already got Preston on staff. But would you be interested in going with Bobby? I didn't even bring it up. Like, Danny brought it up. Right. And then I was like, yeah, of course I'd be interested. So he says, listen, I got to talk to him about something else. I'm going to call him. I'll get back to you. Like, literally 10 minutes later, he texts me. Danny says, Bobby's really interested. He's going to call you later tonight. He calls me. We end up, I interview with him at the Final Four. He hires me as his top assistant. And, kind of goes from there all right so then you're you're on his staff and uh that's when we met and of course um two years in you guys go to the ncaa tournament with you know a couple of michigan kids also your point guard lamonte bearden was a milwaukee kid um and and so you were and and bobby had had told me the entire time in in covering you guys in the ncaa tournament that you were a huge reason why one not only you'd got players but two because you'd been a coach so long and he hadn't you had been away from the game for a decade that he he kind of leaned on you um he decide, he goes to Arizona State how how did, how did you how did you get the job so but and Bobby was great i mean he really like through the whole thing he he was 100% all in on me getting this job like and he we he kind of had this plan and we ended up Getting, getting it a year earlier than we thought. Like, Moss ended up being really good. My kid from uh, Romulus that was the MAC player of the year that year. So so he, he he's down in Arizona State. They do the whole interview. Well, administrate, you know, words out and whatever. So the associate AD, who's now the AD at Auburn, Alan Green, had kind of called me that morning. Like, what do you know? Well, I knew Bobby was at Arizona State. I knew he was about to get the job. I think he just basically had to get approved by the president down there. And Alan's like, hey, what's going on? Like, we, we need to know. Well, I'm back in Buffalo, kind of holding the fort down, but I, I'm not supposed to say anything. <laughs> I, and Alan's a great dude. Like, I said, Alan, I'm in a really bad spot right now. I, I can't, like, I, like Bobby's my boss. Like, I, you know, so Alan's like, hey, Nate, don't worry about it. Just tell me whatever you can. And then, you know, I, I get it. So, I was like, listen, as soon as I know something, for sure, I'll let you know. Well, then Bobby met with the president at Arizona State. He put a stamp of approval. Now he's going to – Bobby wants to meet with the team that, that afternoon, like at like 4.30 or 5.00. Not meet with them. Uh, phone call because they want to do a press conference that night. So I, I had to get the whole team up there in Bobby's office, and, and that's when I called Alan back. I'm like, Alan, Bobby wants to do a speaker 
call with the team at, you know, five, five o'clock, you know, just FYI. Like, so then somebody had leaked it. I don't know who. Well, Danny White saw it go across. It, it ends up getting a little, you know, the timing with that stuff is always bad. It's, there's never a great way to do that stuff. So Allen and Danny, Danny White was the AD at the time. He's now at Central Florida. So they, they come up. Well, Allen came up to, to the meeting with the team. So Bobby kind of lets the team know on a speaker on a conference call that he took the job at Arizona State. Allen told the team, wait here, you know, uh, we want to talk to you. So Danny White talks, to, and Danny comes to me right away. Danny says, hey, Nate, I want to name you the interim coach if you're cool with that, uh, and then we'll figure out what's going on from there. I'd like to interview you for the job if you're interested. Uh, I said, yeah, of course. Like, I'm all, he goes, all right, listen, I want to talk to the team. You wait here. So him and Allen talked to the team for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, and I kind of wait. Then he puts it out to the media. I'm the interim head coach. And then he literally, me and him, had like a three-hour interview that night. Like, I, I think I left the office like maybe like 9 o'clock, and we talked about everything. And then Danny, part of it was, you know, staff. I've only been in Division One for two years. Two years ago, I was a high school coach. If, if I was to hire you, what would your staff look like? So then I had to kind of – I went home and had to start – my wheels are spinning. I got to get somebody, you know, guys that he wants. He didn't give me any specific names, but he wanted somebody with some experience if he was going to hire me. So that's how I got a hold of Jim Whitesell, who I had known who had just got fired at St. John's. He'd been a head coach at Oil of Chicago for seven years. Sure. So, so on Thursday night, I talked to Jim like late. Jim's interested. Friday, I bring Jim's name to Danny. That's, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. We fly Jim out Saturday morning. Meanwhile, me and Danny have a whole nother round of like interviews on Friday. And I'm thinking, man, I got a shot at this. Like Saturday. And, and so I text Danny Friday night. Hey, I, I know how to do the uh, recruiting deals for uh, players. I've never recruited uh, in a system before. Meanwhile, I'm not the head coach yet. I said, Jim's flying in tomorrow. How, how do we do this? What, how are we going to, he goes, all right, meet me at the office. Like I think nine o'clock Saturday morning. We'll, figured out i think jim landed at 11 so i mind you i'm not the head coach yet i'm literally bringing jim out so i meet him to go over how we're gonna like do this whole day with jim and his wife connie and uh i go in and we don't talk anything about jim like he got another hour of like questions that he that he wants to ask me and then, then then he basically says nate i'm hiring you like like i said great like he goes we've got a press conference at like 11. So we, I've got Jim Weitzel on campus. I just get the job. And basically, Danny was great. He said, Nate, if you don't want to hire these guys, because by that time I had brought Danielle Marshall's name to him as well, because he thought it'd be good to have somebody with experience. He thought it would be good to have somebody with a with a name, because Bobby Hurley had a name, and he kind of got his, gotten right, right, off right. the ground. And so I ended up hiring Danielle Marshall and uh, Jim Weitzel, and those, you know, and we had a you know, we got to the NCAA tournament our first year, but yeah, that's that's how it happened. I mean, it was fast. It went from like Thursday I'll, I'll, night to can Saturday I, can, morning. Can I give you another? Can I give you another angle to it that you don't even know about? Well, yeah. Okay, so so Bobby is uh, at Arizona State, like you said, waiting for approval, and I talked to Danny because I just covered you guys, and he said, "What do you think of our job?" And you know, I was kind of all in on the SUNY Buffalo deal. Just you know, it's the largest state institution in New York, and uh, I thought it had, I thought 
I honestly thought that because of New York and it being so different than the other schools in the MAC, I just felt like it was potentially the best job in that league. Whereas the rest of that league, they're all kind of the same. You know, I mean, there's, there's look like Ohio U I think is interesting because it's a more of a college town than, you know, Akron and Kent kind of fight over the kind of the same space or whatever. But the point is that a lot of the Mac schools kind of look the same. And then I, I felt like Buffalo was a little bit different, right? It, it just differentiated yeah, it's the biggest itself. public university in the state of New York. Like nobody knew right, right. So, when I got out there. That's okay. So any, so anyway, so we, this is like, this is probably a couple of nights before you had that visit where you sat down with him, whatever. Anyway, so he's going through like names of guys, you know, I, I, we, we could pump it up to 500,000 for, for Bobby, maybe a little bit more for Bobby, but you know, all these other guys, like I can't get that much money for other people. What should you know, what should I do? And I was like, well, who do you want to hire? So I said, who do you want to hire? He goes, I'll be honest with you. Like Bobby told me that Nate Oates is doing a ton of the coaching and that he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm an idiot to not just hire Nate Oates. He's like, but is, is that, you know, like, you know, I'm a young AD, like this is a big hire for me. Like hiring Bobby Hurley was a big thing. If I just hire the, the, the assistant that was a high school coach a couple years ago, like, how is that going to look? And I was like, and he, and then he, he, he said, you know, but I, inter- I, 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 you know, he interviewed the players, right? Yeah. And the players were all in. He said, every player said, every player said, if you hire Nate, I'm staying. And I said, look, you shouldn't hire a guy just because guys are staying. I was like, but if you've seen a guy work and you think that guy works, like, I kind of feel like the answer is right there in front of you. I was like, I think you have a good job, but I think you're going to have to sell somebody on a good job. And you're going to have to hire somebody who hasn't been a head coach. I was like, so if you have somebody who knows your culture, knows the players, and has actually been a head coach, albeit not at the college level, like maybe the 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 answer. It's like there's a book called Blink. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gladwell. I've yeah, read all this stuff. Right, yeah. and and so I that's I call I was like you know the the whole idea of Blink, and he was like yeah because and by the you know for people who don't know Danny White of course now the AD at Central Florida played at Notre Dame. Uh, after I played at Notre Dame, so there was kind of that little connection or whatever. Um, yeah, he's the all-time he, uh, leading three-point shooter in Notre Dame history. He's one for one. And so he went for one. So he, uh, he uh, I said, you know the book Blink? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, sometimes the obvious answer is the first answer. I said, yeah, that, 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 or the right answer is the first answer. I said, yeah. I was like, I was like look, and I didn't know you that well. I was like, but all I can tell you is, you got really good players. You got really good culture. And like the last thing you want is to have to start that thing over and you go back to being, you know, SUNY Buffalo instead of Buffalo, you know? And he, and so he, he texted me like a couple days later, uh, I, you know, like I'm hiring Nate, like, I'd love your support. And I was like, uh, you know, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I was on in Buffalo at the time, my radio show or whatever, but anyway, that's, that's the other side to it. Um, okay. So there's another, yeah, I never angle. knew there's that. An- Appreciate you, Doug. Uh, I, I, I didn't say, I, I, in, in all honesty, I didn't say, because he was asking me, I was like, shoot, I was like, I think the job is really good. And I started kind of, and in my mind, I was thinking, my, my brother, I was like, but that wouldn't work. He's a West Coast guy to get to East Coast. I started thinking of guys. I was like, but, you know, then the more you hear somebody talk, you're like, well, I don't know. You have the answer right there. And in all candor, like, he didn't have to pay you a ton of money, right? Money's always no, tight. And, if you, I was, and I told him that. He told me in the interview, Nate, if I give you this job, I'm going to put a contract in front of you. There's no negotiation. You're signing. I said, of course. 
I said, all I want is a chance. I don't care what you pay me. Like, I, was the low, I was the lowest paid head coach in the league. I didn't care. I, I was a high school teacher two years ago. Like, like I, I, none of that mattered to me at the time. The, the thing oh, about Danny, though, I, that, that, that's great is he never treated you and he didn't, tr- he didn't treat you like your contract, right? There, there is something to that. Nah, and he was great. The, he, and he's I know, but great. like, look, in my, in my business, Nate, in my business, there are, I think one of the issues that some places run into is you get, I, my first job at ESPN, like I, there was a little negotiation, but I remember like to do basketball games, there's, you know, we'll pay a little bit, we'll pay a thousand dollars to do this, a thousand dollars to do something. I was like, fine, great. I just, again, same thing. I just want opportunity. There, there are some places or some bosses that, judge you based upon well hey dude look you should just i remember you know i i remember my my first contract negotiation re-up negotiation at espn where uh you know i made i think i made uh i made i made you know in reality i made a, a good amount of money but it was like my contract was for 185 with radio and and basketball Right. And then all in by the end of the third year with all the extra things that I had done, I was up to like 250. And and my the, the first contract offer was like, hey, we're going to pay you 250 flat for like three years. What do you think? And I was like, well, I'm already making that with my current contract. <laughs> and, and their thing was like, hey, dude, you know, three years ago you were you know, you were making. You know, um, I don't know what it was like, you know, a an, an hundred grand doing radio in Oklahoma City and TV and. And like, this is, this is, you know, 150% more. It's like, yeah, but I actually, anyway, my point is, right. I think I always thought it was fascinating that Danny, uh, never, he, he's, he's an, an unbelievable guy and that he never treats you like he treated you like you were the head coach from the second year, the head coach with an immense amount of respect. And it was just based upon the economics of scale where he was like, no, look, we I can mean, pay yeah, this. Was smart. He, he, look, speaking of smart. I mean, look at, look at the hires he's made. Shoot. Look at the central Florida football coaches. So he's, he hired Bobby Hurley, who's doing a pretty good job. He's probably got the best team in the Pac-12 right now. He hired myself. He hired Lance Leipold, who just went 10-2 and two in football at Buffalo. And then he hired two football coaches at Central Florida that have gone undefeated. So I, I, it, it feels pretty good to be uh, one, of the, one of Danny White's hires. I think he knows what the heck he's doing when he hires coaches. But, yeah, and, but you know, at the same time, uh, huh? he was good, though. Like, like you said, he, he – kind of gave me some you know he always used to call me the ball coach head ball coach almost like I needed a little like you know hey you're division one head coach now buddy like he was good he was good that way though I I I still like I still text with Danny I still thank him for giving me an opportunity and both him and Bobby both I mean Bobby didn't have to hire me out of high school and Danny didn't have to give me the job so sometimes you got to get some breaks and make sure you thank the people that gave you a break when you get them so for, and, and I think some people remember the story, you get the job. This is two years removed from being a high school coach, you know, 13 years removed from being a division three assistant thinking this, I want to you know, climb the ladder. You get this dream job and then your wife, your wife is sick. Yeah. And Danny right? was really good with that. Like I, like literally, so I got called, I, I were having a staff meeting and I'm standing up. Kind of, I got a TV in my office. I'm standing up at the TV. It was like a touch screen or whatever. That's where we, it's like the whiteboard slash TV. And all of a sudden, I, my phone just kept vibrating on my desk, you know, like over on the other side. So I finally went over and looked. It was like my wife called like six times, I think. I said, hold on, fellas. I got to grab this quick. Let's see what's going on. I, I called her and she's like sobbing. Like, and I had known she'd had some like, 
her lymph nodes were a little swollen, but I, we thought it was like, you know, when, I, nobody ever thinks she got cancer. Like she's like, yeah, she's like, I got cancer. I need you, I need you to come home. So I, I stepped back in the office. I'm like, fellas, I gotta go. Like, um, wrap up the main. Uh, I didn't tell him, you know, you, you, I just, I gotta go. I'll be back. So I go home and yeah, that was, that was tough. Like it was really, you know, we pray together. It'll be okay. So I go back to the office, you know, and I, I said right then that day, like, look, if, if you want me to quit coaching, like, oh, she, and she was like right up front. No, absolutely not. This is your dream job. You're not doing that. Like, we'll get through this, you know, so she was good. I, I go back and I meet with Danny. I'm like, Danny, like Crystal's got, just got diagnosed with lymphoma. Like, um, I don't know what to, and, and he right away was like, look, I'll make calls to whoever, you know, he, Danny was, well, he had everybody. So like the med school Dean, whoever, he's like, I'll call whoever I can if you need some help. So I said, I'll, I'll let you know if we do, I appreciate it. So like literally the next day, then I came in, Hey, if you don't mind calling them, like we, we'd like to get, you know, as many experts as we can. And he kind of due to his call, we were able to get immediately in like basically the president of Roswell park cancer is calling me like the day after she gets diagnosed. Cause she got diagnosed from a different place. Cause she, she, we didn't think she had cancer. So, so I've got the president and they, they put me right in touch with the head of their lymphoma department. We were in like the, that weekend. They, and, and then we find out it's not just lymphoma, like lymphoma is pretty treatable, but it's this double hit lymphoma, which is terrible. So like, even now, if you Google double hit lymphoma, like the odds are not great, but, Roswell is really good. It's top 50 cancer institute in the country. So that they got on it immediately. And she's been two and a half years cancer-free now. So, uh, yeah, we went through a lot. But, but, wait, wait, wait. But, there's, but, but, but there's, there, there's more, though, right? Like, again, there's the, there's, the, there's, the can, there's the getting the job, there's the cancer, and then you had to get rid of Justin Moss, right? <laughs> who's your, who's yeah, your best was, player? That was, that who's your was best player? Sh- yeah. Wait, Shannon Evans follows Bobby to Arizona state. So like, Hey, here, here's your dream job, but, um, your, your best returning guard. Yeah. So it was more than that. So like, I don't know if you remember Tori and Graham, that was at yep. Arizona state that averaged about 20 for him or something. Yeah, he was coming to Buffalo. He, he was, he was, in, he was at, at Buffalo, Buffalo, right? Yeah. He was at Buffalo. He, he was sitting out at Buffalo. Well, so he goes to Arizona state, the kid Mauricio field had signed with us, committed to us. He gets out of his letter to go to Arizona state. Shannon Evans goes to Arizona State, and, and and Bobby's, you know, me and Bobby are tight. Me and Bobby still talk all the time. So like, I, I want Bobby to be really successful at Arizona State. Like, shoot, if I if I don't do well at Buffalo, I might need a job. Like, like, so I'm not gonna, you know, if these kids, if these kids want to go there, I'm not gonna fight them. Like, I've never been that way. If a kid wants to leave, like, even when I was at Romulus, like, I, I think I had one one or two kids transfer. If you don't think it's right, like, I'll help you. Like, I'll help you get to another spot. I'm I'm a so, so three kids that were supposed to play at Buffalo are now playing at Arizona State. Justin Moss gets kicked out. I had a kid, Nate Navigato, that had signed with us. And that was the deal. Like, like when you talk to Danny, Danny's sitting down with me going through the roster like, hey, are these kids that sign going to come? Are these – well, like, what, you know, I, I'd gone through and told him that this kid's 100% staying. Like, I called Nick Perkins. Nick was my recruit out of uh, – Ypsilanti, you know, right? but he, he, yeah, but he, yeah, Ypsilanti, but he had, he had signed with us when Bobby Hurley was head coach. So I still had to make sure like, Hey, so I call Nick's people. Look, if I get the head job, is Nick still coming? And they were all like, yeah, hundred percent in. 
So, and he was great, and he did come. But then I also had another one. Nate Navigato ends up going to Toledo. So we had five guys that we thought were going to be playing at Buffalo that ended up not playing at Buffalo my first year. So I, I literally I had five open scholarships my in the spring going into my first year. Well, one of those got filled with C.J. Massenberg, who, who turned out to be okay. So, we, you know, we got a little bit lucky and fortunate. And we're how'd, you, how'd you find C.J.? How'd the C.J. thing happen? So, so this is crazy. So, so I get hired. That weekend I got hired, was there's only two live weekends in the spring. The first one was when I got hired. So I, I didn't have a staff. I wasn't out. I got hired Saturday during the live weekend. So the second weekend, I had me and Jim Weitzel and Danielle, I think, had been hired. But, but, but basically, we had a skeleton staff because it happened so fast. So I'm out. I'm out. Uh, where was I at? Maybe Louis. I can't remember. Any, anyways, wherever I was at, Dusty May, that's the head coach at Florida Atlantic. Me and Dusty used to be the assistant at Eastern Michigan. Me and Dusty have been friends for 10 years. Matter of fact, there's another angle on the deal. I had sent a player of mine to Dusty and Mike White, Danny White's brother. One of my Romulus players went and played at Louisiana Tech, and Dusty was the lead recruiter on it. So I, I knew Danny White's brother, Mike. So hopefully Mike helped me out when I got the job with Danny. You know, But I, I had known that. So Dusty, though, says, hey, do you, do you have scholarships? I said, yeah, I got to fill five. He goes, all right, there's a kid. They had just taken the job at Florida. He goes, there's a kid we recruited at Louisiana Tech that we just decided we weren't going to move on, but he's pretty good and he's available. This kid, C.J. Massenburg, and he's playing as an available up in Indianapolis. He said, do you have anybody up in Indy? And I said, yeah, uh, Whitesell's up there. He goes, well, see if, he's, you know, see if he can look at this kid, Massenburg. You, you might want to look at him. You know, kind of one of those deals. So right. I called Jim. I'm like, look, you got to go watch. I think it was Lone Star Elite he's playing for. I said, there's this kid, Massenburg, that's supposed to be an available. Can, can you try to figure your schedule out? Go, so he goes, okay. So he ends up watching him, I think, three times that weekend. So he comes back. He's like, yeah, he's probably good enough. Like, you know, you know, he, he he wasn't like super excited, but he was like, yeah, he's probably good enough. I said, all right, well, let's get him on a visit. Cause shoot, we got five scholarships. We ain't, there ain't that many availables out there. We we got to fill these scholarships. So we bring him on a visit, and the only school, the only other offer he has on the table is Prairie View A and M. And 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 late, he told me later, like I think he had to, you know, act like at least there was something else out there for him. He told me later that he wasn't going there. He was going to go to junior college if we hadn't have come in. So we, we bring him in, and I, I tell CJ, like, hey, listen, I, you know, we've got some guys back. You know, I don't because I'd never seen him play in person. All I saw was videotape. I said, would you be open to redshirting your freshman year if, you know, if, if that's and he? I could tell he didn't really want to, but but he, he's a great kid, so he said all the right things. Like, look, coach, like I, I just want to get in the program and get better, like. I'll do what you want, but I, but I just want a chance. Like, like, as long as you tell me I've got a chance that I can come in and earn minutes. And I said, yeah, of course. Like, I'll give, I'll give you a shot. Like, so he comes in his freshman year and drops 17 at Duke as a freshman and scores 36 against Ohio as a freshman. And yeah, so I, <laughs> I gave him a shot. He earned it. He's been pretty good ever since. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and it kind of is. No, and, and, and it's like, look, he didn't go to, and, and, and as you know, he didn't go to a small school. He went to South, Co- South Oak Cliff, which is great football program, yeah, yeah. good basketball and he program. I, 22. Yeah, he I just, I don't. points a game. Like, I don't know how that happens, but I'm glad it did. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and he's, he's playing for you at Buffalo. Um, 
when you played Arizona last year, what was that like? That, that was a little bit surreal, to be honest with you, because I, like, obviously they've got DeAndre Ayton, they've got Raleigh Hawkins, they've got, you know, we had recruited Raleigh's, Jalen Harris, his high school teammate, had committed to us and then decommitted. He's now playing. I think he transferred from New Mexico to Arkansas. But so I, I had seen Raleigh enough in high school, and this dude's like a grown man. And they've got Lonzo Trier, who just signed a three-year deal, I think, with the Knicks. Like <laughs> this team's loaded. So it, it, like when we get the draw, you know, we got the selection show on Sunday night, and we're all out at the at Santor's, the, the local place. And I see us come up as a 13th seed, and I'm 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 like a I'm a little ticked off. Like in my mind, I'm like, we, we're not a 13 seed. Like we, we were good. Like we, we, you know, we, we were eight, no in the mat. We were 15 and three overall. Like I was thinking we had a chance to be an 11 or maybe a 12 at the lowest. Then we get a 13 and then they show the four seed that we got matched up with. And it was Arizona. And I'm like, Oh, like, like literally, like, I think if you went back and looked at the video, like you can tell I'm not real excited. You know, you're supposed to, give a fist pump like like I tried to act like I was excited I was mad like I like we got screwed how how do they put Arizona as a four they should have been a, like a two or a three maybe like I was thinking they were a two and then they gave us a 13 so so I, I had to put on the right front in front of the team so then I get back to the office right away and we start looking at film and I I, I actually legitimately convinced myself that we, we had a legitimate shot to win this game because they didn't shoot the three well. So with the way spacing is and you can guard, you can take away the lane in college. There's no free second in the lane. I, so I, we got a game plan together. The next morning, Monday morning, we, I told the guys why we were going to win the game. Told them we, we're a great three-point shooting team. They have two bigs they play all the time. They can't guard us. Jeremy's got a mismatch. What, what they can't stay in front of you, West. They're, you know, the, the, I went through the whole deal. Well, here's what we're going to do. We put the whole thing in. I convinced myself we had a shot. I convinced the team we're going to win. And then, but then you still, when the ball goes up, <laughs> you're still a little uncertain. I mean, this kid, this kid's the number one pick in the draft. They got all these other pros around them. And so I, I shoot, when West hit that shot to put us up 25 with like, with, with two minutes to go in the game. And it, it finally hit. I did the math click. I'm like, dang, we're up 22. Like, I better get these guys out of here so somebody doesn't get hurt in the last two minutes of this game. <laughs> so we got a shot to beat Kentucky. And I said to the ref, I'm like, if this, if this, if I said if this shot goes in, I want a timeout. West hits a three, and I call a timeout, and it's 25 points, and we get all the the walk-ons in. At that, that was the point when I was like, you got to be kidding me. We just beat. We're up 25 on Arizona. That that's ridiculous. I don't know how this just happened, but. Yeah, that was a little bit absurd. What did what did you learn from the Kentucky game? Because I, I you know, the the thing is that I'm I'm just guessing because I thought you had a great shot at Kentucky, and I I think you yeah, probably right thought thought the same. But there is something to the there's there's two different parts to it. One, here, here's what's crazy about it: wherever you go the rest of your life, no matter if you do or don't win more NCAA tournament games, and this year's team you probably will. People say like, "Man, you guys had that great run one year, right?" And you're like, "Yeah, we won one game, right. but that's okay. Just right, right." 
Um, but, but, but you, you end up putting so much into it. And as you know, then you do the, the post game, all the media stuff and the kids, everybody's just exhausted. And even though you had an assistant who was prepping for whoever won the Kentucky game, you know, most likely Kentucky, it's just, it's very, very hard to come down from that high and then lock in on the second game. There's, there's a, there's, there's a magic to pulling off the, the second win is exponentially harder than the first win. Was there kind of a lesson for this year and for future years learned from uh, from the Kentucky performance? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, like we, you know, we're thought ahead. You know, like so we took the guys' phones. We, I said, you got basically after the game, like you guys got about two hours. That I said because you'll have everyone you've ever played basketball with your entire life hitting you up. Like, go ahead, enjoy it for a couple hours we're taking your phone so you can actually get some sleep tonight. What, which I, in hindsight, that's, I still think that was the right decision. I, I probably should have had somebody take my phone though. Like, like I, you know, I'm on Scott Van Pelt show. Everybody wants to interview me like the next day, because that was the late game. It was the big upset. So, and Buffalo basketball still was not on a national level. So I felt like to promote the program, I got to take all these, like, how am I going to turn down all these national Radio talk show, like I, I basically was like taking everywhere. I didn't get to watch that much, and I, I'm a big film guy. I love, like, I mean, I study all kinds of, I take all kinds of notes. I didn't do a very good job in myself prep. The other thing, I should have just shut my mouth too. I said I can't even. Oh, I said something it was so stupid. I there was a high school coach back in Detroit that had kind of texted me after, like, "Hey, go go beat Cal Perry." He's been whining about how inexperienced they are all. He had said that, like, before the Arizona game, take care of Arizona, then go beat, I can't, you know, whatever. So I, I said, like, you know, people ask me, well, what do you think about your matchup with Kentucky? What do you, I said, well, Cal Perry's been whining about how young and inexperienced they are, and, and we're not young and inexperienced. We got older guys, West is a fifth-year senior. I kind of said it like that. Now, I I have no district. I, I actually like Cal. I don't know what, you know, everybody else thinks. But I, I, I went down there when he was at Memphis. I, I, that's why I went out to see Wahlberg when I was a high school coach, because I loved the way Cal played at Memphis. And I, right. I've always respected it. I didn't mean any disrespect by that, but, but it came across like stupid. And I shouldn't have said it. I apologized to Cal before the game. I kind of worldwide West had swung by our hotel and I'd known him from my Detroit days. And I, I said, listen, help me make this thing right with Cal. Like, so he, he was cool, but, but I shouldn't have said it. I had big blue nation. It's still probably all over me on Twitter. Like they were killing me. But I think it kind of woke Kentucky up a little bit, too. I'm sure Cal used it. And they, they came out. And, I mean, Kevin Knox, I remember the first one. He drives to the baseline and pulls up on on our guard. And, and this dude's like a 6'9", two guard. And he just rises up over the top and drills like a 15-footer. And I'm like, man, we're he's going to do that all night. We're in trouble. And then they, yeah. they, they couldn't shoot. They were like one of the worst shooting teams in college basketball. All of a sudden that night they can shoot. Like, I yeah. think they went 0 for 6 against Davidson. You know, when we be there, then all of a sudden they're making their shots and we can't hit and it. We were in the thing till I don't know, about eight minutes to go, and then it, then it got got opened up then. But I, I, I do think it's really hard to, to focus in after you win that first round. Now, if now with this year's team, if we're able to get back to that spot again, I think having that experience once will help immensely the second time you go through it. Tell, tell me if you think I'm wrong. Um, I mean, feel, feel free. And I know you got things you have to do. So if you have to go, you tell me, um, I, I feel like college basketball, the when VCU and George Mason 
those they weren't fluky, but they were unbelievable runs and upsets. And it was the beginning of this with older players, guys that have nothing to lose, playing against young guys who are going to be pros. And, you know, the, the older guys were confident and they, they won some of these games, right? Whereas I feel like now, there's just not that much of a talent gap. You know, like, I saw you guys against Syracuse and I like, you know, Brissett and uh, uh, Dolezal, I think, is, is tremendous. I don't, I, I actually think their style, I know they recruit to their style, but I think their style sometimes allows teams of inferior talent. You know, you play a zone, somebody else gets to set the tempo. If they want to play fast, want to play slow, you can't speed people up. That, that's I've, Beheim and I have had long discussions about it. But my, my point was really, if you watch now, one, because of the age and experience that you have and mid-majors and low-high majors have, and two, because the high majors have, you know, they've been so, uh, there's been such a purge to the NBA that I just, I don't think there's that big a gap. I think that you and, you know, Nevada's, their average age is like 23 years old. I think like it's a reality that you guys are a top 15 team. I don't think it's, fluky at all i feel like the sport has come around to some of these programs obviously gonzaga is a different level they're like the best of both right they recruit to high level guys and they get four and fifth year guys and some foreign guys as yeah. well but I, I i agree i feel like this is like this is the era now where you're gonna have you're gonna have the, always have the dukes and they're gonna have the, the freaks and the kentuckys and the freaks but outside of that like you're right there talent wise with just about anybody my crazy no, I, I, I said that after the syracuse game and i think some people took it the wrong way but i said i feel like we got the better players like I, I i and it wasn't you know i respect coach ban she's almost won a thousand games he's really good and Brissett's going to be a pro and battle's really good but you know i i clarified it i've got fourth year guys fifth year guys like we've got grown men Brissett's only a sophomore like he's really good and is a sophomore got, too right same same thing yeah right? like yeah, so so that's what I meant. Like, I mean, I I, I still feel like that. I, I'm not like when when we talk about players one through nine. Like, I played nine players in that game. Like, I'll take my one through nine over theirs. Like, and I I firmly believe we're better now. Part of it is we're older, and part is you know, and and the other thing is like they're able to recruit a McDonald's All American at Syracuse, and we're not going to get that at Buffalo. But sometimes the recruiting rankings aren't. Look at I mean look at C.J. Massenburg like I, I, I mean take a take a freshman McDonald's All American on some team here like you're trying to tell me that now some of them are unbelievable obviously yeah. and they're playing great and the whole deal but take some other ones that it, sometimes it takes a while to adjust to college basketball C.J.'s better than some some of those freshmen that were like top. 20 recruits like I'd take CJ over him well, even though- well, well like 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 here's here's the honest discussion okay one he's played a ton and because he played at a little bit lower level I know he played well against Duke his freshman year but th- that experience gain gains confidence um and you know he, he didn't he didn't a lot of these other kids they go somewhere and they're recruited the same level as him you mentioned Jalen Harris right he goes to you recruit him he goes to New Mexico, then he transfers and he sits out. So now he's at Arkansas and he's averaging nine and a half a game as opposed to had he come to the Mac, you know, by now he'd be in what his, he'd be a junior and he would have played right away and gained confidence. And, you know, you learn from doing, and he probably would have been a double digit, you know, high level, all league type of player. 
And so there is something to the development when you can be an alpha earlier in your career so that you're a, you're a better player. And that, that actually proves out in, in the NBA as well how many guys that have gone to a slightly lower level or even a substantially lower level gain that experience. And maybe they weren't better players coming out. Maybe they were properly evaluated, but their improvement because they got to do it and because they got to take some of those shots and miss some of those shots earlier in, in their career, they oh, became better players because of it. Like, wait, wait, I, and I'm a mid-major coach, so I have to make that point. Like, I've, you know, my, I've got an agent, and they've got in a, in their office, they've got a ton of interns. So I had them do a project for me a couple of years ago. Like, they went through all the NBA. Right? There was over 80 guys in the NBA that went to mid-major schools. Like, like you think, like let's say Steph Curry goes to North Carolina. You think he's going to be the player he is? Like, he, he wasn't no. big and strong enough to play at North Carolina's freshman year. No, he got, he, he got to he got to he he got to fail. He got to he got to fail his he had to fail some his first year. He got to and then you know he stayed. Remember he stayed through his junior year where he got to play the point. But his first two years yeah. he did not play the point guard position. He was he was a two, and he never and he, he was, would never he, play. He was a small. Yes. Like come on, like like those guys. I mean, if he goes to Duke, Kentucky. I mean, obviously he couldn't because they didn't offer him. But let's say that they had like he he can't play at those like. Like he he wasn't physically, but now look at him. He's the MVP of the NBA. Like like da- Damian Lillard, he got. I mean, you just go down the list. There's so much CJ McCollum. There's there's just so many, and they're they're not just role guys in the NBA. Damian, Damian Lillard. Here, here's here, here's one for you. Okay, so so Damian Lillard's from Oakland. My brother's at Cal. My brother's like, look, he was always a you know six foot six one two guard. Like I liked him. It's like I, I liked him a lot. He's like, but you know, it's like he was a he was a six foot six one two guard, and in the Pac twelve, you know, at that time, you know, we, you know, they had you know Alan Crabb who became a you know became a pro, and and others kind of kind of like that, you know, and so but Damian Lillard went to Weber, and got a chance to play, and the whole offense was designed around him, and there's there's something to that experience that's that's gained. It's like. Uh, you know, so kids are so now skewed by what they see in the NBA where all these guys playing with these dream teams where you really are better off on some level, especially for development, getting a chance to do it and maybe having something built around you instead of being part of a cog. You have to you have to know yourself and how you function and how you're going to succeed. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, those are those are a couple of incredible examples. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and we try to use that with recruiting and we've been able to get some pretty high I mean like our kid Jeremy Harris that's really good that that killed DeAndre Ayton in the tournament like he he visited he had high major offers coming out of junior college he was mature enough to know like so he comes to us his junior year he like if you go look at his numbers last year in his first 10 games like basically the first half of the season until we got to conference he, he was bad like he struggled so if he had gone to a high major like he visited Texas Tech before we got him to commit here like if he'd gone to a high major he probably doesn't keep playing like I just I just kept playing him like I know yeah. how good you can be, and I I've got all the confidence that we're going to get there. But if you go somewhere else where they got somebody really really good, you know, like they're probably just going to play them. So like yeah. Jeremy made a lot of mistakes, missed a lot of shots, didn't play well for half the year, and then all of a sudden he he's a big reason we win an NCAA tournament game. Like some some guys, I think some kids with the right people around them are starting to make better decisions in that regard. Yeah, you go somewhere. You're gonna go somewhere. You're gonna play. Also, it it comes you knowing him, knowing the kid, and you having been a player, believing, you know, not killing his confidence because 
Like I played for guys that you miss shots enough in games, no matter what you make in practice, you miss a shot, they take you out, and now you're never going to make a shot because because you're worried if you miss a shot, you're 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 going to come out. No, all right, last la, la, last thing before I let you go. Um, all right, so here's the way it's going to work. You make it's reported six hundred grand now. I don't know if that's accurate, but um, you know, let's say you're making slightly north of half a million dollars, which is in comparison to the thirty six you're making. You know, it uh, as a as division three assistant and the, you know, probably 50 you were making in Detroit was is, you know, light years better. But at some point in the in the very near future, somebody's going to offer you something with an additional zero at the end of it. And it's really, really, really hard. Right. Like like you said, this is Buffalo's become home. What's that discussion like with your wife? What's what's that? And in in your own is it is it a number? Is it a location? Uh, I mean, you, 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 and what for for people who want it? Because because no one's ever really honest about it, right? No one, you, you're not allowed. No, to because be. I mean, honestly, like I mean, I'm a pretty honest guy. Like, how, what am I supposed to come out and say? Like, I want to get out. Like, no, I mean, even the guys that are. I mean, go back to look when Nick Saban, what a week before he took the job, he's I, you know like. I mean, what are you supposed to say? But here, I'll, I'll tell you this, because me and my wife have talked about it. I mean, you know, like, let's not, not be stupid. Like, you know, we're doing pretty well, and this is kind of what happens in college basketball. And here, here, Here's what we've talked about. We, we literally, we just bought, when I got the head job, I didn't go buy a new house. I'd been living in the same house that I lived in when I was an assistant that I bought basically off my teacher's salary because we bought a house when we moved to uh, Buffalo, we, we lived in that same house up until this past summer. We just bought a new house. We've got it on the Niagara River. It's great. We love it. It's a million-dollar house. It's, it's like my wife's dream house. Like, she literally just sent me a picture of the sun setting over the river last night. Thanks for getting me my dream house. Love it. You know, the whole deal. That's so pretty amazing. We, it's, it's pretty, it's like, pretty like, amazing. Like, and, and I want to think about this answer for a second, but I you need to, like, mentally take a snapshot, and it's it's great. Like, that that you're, you and your wife have that that she's smart enough to understand like you're out here killing yourself you, you know you're dying with every game that's pretty amazing your relationship and what you've been able to provide for your family so that's that's awesome yeah anyway, I think go ahead. the last the last few years have helped with all that. I mean you, when you realize that life and death and you, you go through a lot of stuff like yeah but but so she t- so so we 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 just had this discussion this past week because because it came up last year we we were eight no in the Mac and we were rolling through it and. People were starting to talk, and the school knew it. And and Allen takes the job at Auburn, and so Kathy Twist, our you know interim AD, wants to redo my contract, and they they did. They they came through, and but me and Crystal talked about it. And we we literally started praying. You know, I don't know if I want to say every night, but but very frequently, like God, like make it crystal clear what what we should do. We we didn't really want to leave, and but at the same time, neither of us came from money. Like I don't have money sitting in the bank my dad doesn't have a bunch of money i mean he's you know like i don't come from money so so if somebody offers you say and you're looking at these different jobs that people are talking about and they're all paying like two point whatever or like <laughs> it's a lot of money to turn down for a guy that was a high school coach five years ago right. so we we pray let's make this crystal clear so the school comes up with a great okay and it's public knowledge it's out there it's a state school six hundred thousand dollars a year for five years so so to me that's great like i signed it before we when before we even went to the mac tournament like i want to be here i got a great group coming back next year i don't want to go anywhere like if i do go anywhere it's gonna have to be something unbelievable great so so we 
we signed it and we wanted to stay. And that's, so that's where we stayed. So now, you know, we've got five seniors. I, we still would love to stay in Buffalo. Like I, we really like the community. We've got our house. Now our house ended up having some more issues than we thought. And I, now I got to pay off all these loans and we cost us more than we thought, but, but we've got, you know, like, what do you, what do you want out of life? I say this thing too, like as a basketball coach, a little bit of your quality of life and not even a little bit, a lot of your quality of life is winning and losing games. Like, I don't care if you're making $50,000 as a high school coach, or if you're making $5 million, if you lose, whether you go home to a, you know, a nice middle-class neighborhood or you go home to a mansion, you're still mad if you lose. Like your quality of life is based on winning and losing basketball games at some level. Now it's not all. And what we've been through with, crystals cancer I, there's no no i got it I, and it's 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 but, honestly it's a great way of looking it's that's uh, I've, I've never heard anyone put that in, into words before so keep going yeah so so we I, like we're winning here people want us here like do i go to a high major place that's going to be really hard to win and when you don't win everybody wants you out of out of there in two years like I, you know, I've got a lot of confidence that I can win wherever I go, and I think I will. But, 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 do I take that chance? Like we, like everybody loves us in Buffalo right now. So, I, I, now again, you know, there's a certain amount of money you probably can't turn down. Like I, but, I, but again, like if you if you really don't want to live in that place, and you've got a great place where you're at now, and you're making more money than you thought you'd ever make, like I, I don't, I don't know that I have to leave, and I've got. You know, some I've got a really good AD now, Mark Allnut's a great guy. I love him. I think he gets it. But I've got like Alan Green, still talk to him. I still talk to Danny White. Like even last year, as it came up, I, I called some mentors that you know, like, hey, if such and such offers me the job, do you, do you think I have to take it? And so, like one of them said, why? Why? Why do you think you like? No, like stay where you're at, where you're happy. You don't have to take it. Like wait for the and, and he was right. Like wait, wait for the perfect job and the perfect job. Look at Mark Few at Gonzaga. Like how much? Like I, I'd like to know what he made he, his first year at Gonzaga. Uh, how about, how about this one? It, you know, part. you know what's what's interesting about Few, and I'm going to have him on the pod, and I'll I'll see if I can get him to admit it. But you know, he um, he'd been he's been offered the UCLA job before and turned it down. But he was there was a plane waiting to take him to Indiana. I think it's when Kelvin got the job, and he turned it down. I remember talking to him like two days later and he was like, I can't believe I turned down in, I, I had, there was a plane on the runway in Spokane and they were like, if you want it, get on the plane. And I didn't do it. He's like, can you believe like, and he's similar to you. You're like, you know, your, your dad, obviously <laughs> a religious background. His dad is a pastor, um, you know, salt of the earth, like legit, really good human being. And he's like, you know, I mean, anyone in the world who grew up around our age is like Indiana basketball. You don't, you don't get any better than that. It's like right. I turned down Indiana. But I, I also think it was a little, it's a little bit like a player that could have been drafted in the NBA that sometimes they come back to school and they have they carry a little bit of bitterness. I don't even think he was bitter, but I do think there was a couple years there where he was kicking himself because he thought, you know, there was this maybe they topped out at Gonzaga until they, you know, got to the lead eight and then got to the you know, national championship game and, and could have won the, won the whole thing. And now I think they can, they can win it this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a really hard thing. And, and we do a bad job in the media of, 
of act, acting like, you know, most basketball coaches or football coaches are just these mercenaries that the second there's a check, they just go knowing all the people it affects, you know, it, it affects all the players. It affects yeah. all the families of the guys who are on your staff. It affects, of course, your own family. And it's a really, really, really hard thing to you want to you build something and you succeed. And you're like, I'm really happy. Could I be happier? You know, I you know, like you said, you're competitive about everything, even recruiting and whatever. Of course, you want to and you've always won. Right. You won at Romulus. You won here. There's no reason you can't win wherever you coach. On the other hand, you do have to have some balance and the wait, we have our dream house. We know everybody, you know, I can, if I want to cancel practice and just hang out with my family, I can do that where I don't know if I can do that. And it's, it's a hard thing, right? No, it is a hard thing. And uh, you know, we're going to pray, pray a lot about it. And I, I'd be really happy at Buffalo for a long time. I, I can say that. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I hope, hopefully there's some boosters in Buffalo that, uh, that want me in Buffalo for a long time. So maybe it'll make it real easy for me. Uh, okay, so uh, I said the last thing I lied. You you just beat Syracuse. Now you're returning to your home state, take on Marquette in Milwaukee. Marquette draws incredibly well, beautiful downtown uh, downtown arena. What's it going to be like to? It's kind of returning home like the conquering hero. What? How how many yeah, friends and family? Cool. Have... So, I, the, so the Watertown Daily Times is the paper from you know Watertown that you know when I'm in high school you get in the sports section. You go the whole. So that guy called me, was it yesterday, I think? Two days ago, maybe. No, it was yesterday. And uh, I was kind of cool. Like, we, you know, my family's all coming. My sister still lives in Watertown. My other sister lives up in northern Wisconsin. They're coming. My parents will be there. They, I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be, you know, it's going to be a hard win to get. Shoot, you're not going to sneak up on Marquette. Like, we're ranked 14th, and they're really talented. But just, I've never been in the new arena either. I used to always. You know, I've been to Marquette games as a kid. I've been to tons of Bucks games. I used to buy Bucks tickets, the cheap ones up at the top, and sneak down and watch them. And the Bradley sure. Center, I, the new arena is supposed to be awesome. So, I, I mean, it's going to be fun. I've got, we have, like, I've got, I don't know what I got, six or seven, like, high school classmates, teammates that are coming to watch. And then I think we're going to go out for breakfast Saturday morning after the game, which will be, I haven't seen some of them since, shoot. Not not too long after high school, so it's kind of cool, you know, coming back. But I get it. Once the ball goes up, none of that stuff. Like I know, like you, you know, we're at Bonaventure and the crowd was going crazy, and my assistants and some other fans, my wife, kind of told me some stuff that they were chanting, which was completely out of control, whatever. Like I, I hear none of that stuff. Like during the game, like like they're like, you didn't hear it. I said no. I, I literally I don't. Once the ball goes up, like. I don't like people yell crazy stuff. And my wife has to deal with it in the stands. Like I don't, I don't even really hear most of it. So like once the ball goes up, it's going to be another shoot. It could be an AAU game back at Rhymeless or not an AAU, a summer league game back at Rhymeless. Like you just kind of get lost in the game and coach it and try to figure out how to get a win. And then, you know, after the game, I think it'll be cool. You got a bunch of family and friends there, but yeah, it's good. And then I'm going to stay here. Then we're all all of our guys are flying out of either Milwaukee or Chicago based on whether they can get to Rex to go home, and then we're going to reconvene uh, December 26th. So I'm going to stay here for Christmas and do Christmas with my family, which I, I don't get to do that often. So that, that'll be nice. Perfect. Well, listen. Um, Merry Christmas. Uh, continued success. Enjoy Milwaukee, my, my my birthplace. I got Butler tomorrow night against UCI. UCI has actually got a really good good club. 
Can't wait to see you against uh, the Warriors. I, you know, who didn't grow up watching uh, Marquette? You know, back. You know, do they still do they still do the war the Warriors chant during the game? No, uh, no, no. Now they're the Golden Eagles. It's just. But they, for a while there, they were still like, "Let's go Warriors," even though they were the Golden Eagles, because so they must have dropped that. They they they, they must not do that anymore. I, I got to tell you, you know, yeah. I visited Marquette. I nearly went there when I left Notre Dame. Mike Dean was the coach. Yeah, I remember Mike. Yeah, do you, you know Mike's Mike's favorite like word he, to call wore, somebody he, was like he wore. I thought he had sunglasses on when he was coaching the game. Remember, he used to have the dark glasses. He had the lazy, He has. He has. He had an eye disease, uh, eye condition, and when stress would would come on, he would uh, uh, he would he he'd start yelling at dudes. All of a sudden, the eye would get super lazy, and that uh, that's actually I don't know if you remember. He got kicked out of an NCAA tournament game. Because uh, Chris Piper got fouled, and he took off his sunglasses, and <laughs> he told the official, "I got one fucking eye," and I could see that. <laughs> that got him run from an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, no, he was he, he was a beaut. One of, one of the, and I still have it. He wrote me a four page letter after I visited on why I should come play for him, and be, between my relationship that's, that's with him. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's a really, he did an amazing job in recruiting because, you know, I went to a Catholic school at Notre Dame and it didn't, it wasn't a good fit for me, but I, I really, and even though he played slow, he did, he, he had another little point guard and he wanted us to play together. And, you know, he, he showed me, he had this, he had an entire set of plays. These are for you. These are for everybody else. This is how we're going to play. He was amazing. Um, and then, you know, he went to Lamar and got them to the NCAA tournament. He was at, he was at Siena a long time ago. They, they had yep. a kid that uh, Brenneman, uh, Marius Brenneman, I think was, a, he showed me videos of anyway. Yeah. Nearly, nearly went there. I actually worked Not his a- camp, I worked his camp after I turned him down and went to Oklahoma state. I, he's like, look, I don't fucking care. Just come work my camp. It's a great time. And in typical Wisconsin fashion, he had a keg in the coach's locker room for camp. And he's like, I expect that keg to be floated by Thursday. <laughs> that, that is Wisconsin. <laughs> It is Wisconsin. Hey, well, listen, welcome home. Best of luck Saturday on, on Fox and uh, have a Merry Christmas. And thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, Doug. Good talking to you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the all ball podcast. Uh, this is obviously the last pod, I believe before Christmas, we're going to record a couple other things next, next week. Um, maybe even get one in so that after Christmas, when you're driving around your significant other or you're going to a basketball tournament or going to a basketball game, you have an AAU team, you can, you can listen to our pod and take it, take it with you. But um, I just I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, uh, a Happy New Year. And if you listen to this pod, you love basketball. This is basketball season. There's nothing like a gym, man, where it's a high school gym, a college gym, um, you know, a rec league gym. So feel free to tweet at me, at Gottlieb Show, when you go to a gym, kind of, Unique gyms around the country. I can think of so many in Las Vegas. The Goleta Boys Club, where we, we always used to, to play at, uh, in February uh, at, at Valentine's Day weekend. Um, we, I, all the gyms in Orange County that I've been to, and of course the gyms that have been nationwide, from, uh, from all the colleges that I've covered to high schools that sometimes host practices to international gyms. If you're going to a gym... Tell a friend about the All Ball podcast and take it with you and tweet us out a picture. At Gottlieb Show is the Twitter handle. So Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope you're safe. Hope your team's playing well. And if not, don't worry. There's another game around the corner where you can compete. And uh, hopefully your guys get after it.
Thanks so much for listening. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.